Okay, so I'm going to share part testimony and part what I think is um, something for all of us, really, that are, are kind of prophetic, two pictures, actually, that God, God showed me. Um, so I'm going to talk about the journey that I've been on. Um, and just give you a bit of background first. The title is self-explanatory, but I'm going to kind of unpack that, obviously, as I, I go along. But I've felt like I've been in a battle, really, for the last year, 18 months. But when I think about it, I realised that I wasn't ready for it. Um, I wasn't really doing battle. I was just in a battle. And I felt like I... I think Mark, probably it was at the Leaders' Weekend, had a picture of somebody on the ground and somebody with a spear standing over them. And I felt like the person on the ground. And like there's the person with the spear ready to go for me. Um, but since the beginning of the year, thankfully, things have changed. So I want to share that journey, um, talk a little bit about how things have changed and a little bit about what I was feeling like and kind of the contrast with where I'm feeling now. So I'm not at the end of the journey, I'm on the journey, but I feel like something's really changed. So during this last period of time, I was really struggling to see clearly spiritually. I felt like I wasn't really hearing God. I was finding it difficult to pray. I felt low. One of the particular things for me one of my defaults would be I tend to get anxious and I was feeling anxious really quite a lot of the time. Um, I really lacked God's joy, which is never a good thing because we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we lack joy, we're not feeling very strong and I certainly didn't and I felt sluggish and weary. Every problem seemed massive and somehow God seemed small So things had got a bit topsy-turvy in my head. And it wasn't like I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. I was still doing the things. Probably that people who didn't know me very well would have thought there was nothing nothing really wrong. But I knew that there was really something lacking. So it's a bit like going through the motions rather than living in faith. And looking back, it's always easy when you look back, I realised that I was listening quite a lot to the voice of the accuser and I was believing his lies not a good thing to do. So I kept saying to Grant, I just feel like I'm in a battle. But I didn't really know how to fight. So just, you know, thinking about battle, what is it? It's, well, we know that God is a victor. We know that when Jesus died and rose again, he won. He, he, the enemy was defeated. And in many ways, we don't have anything to worry about. And yet the enemy still tries to have a go. So he wants to slow us down, he wants to knock us off track, he wants to stop us being effective. And I think sometimes it can be just a subtle slide. We don't even notice it happening, and so we want to be alert. Um, So, on to my first slide, please, Neil. Who believes I drew this? Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Dave and Julie, I believe I drew I didn't. Tanya drew it. 
Grant, you know, Grant was very cruel to me. He said, I think what you should do is you should have Tanya's picture and then you should have your attempt next to it. <laughs> and I don't know if any of you have seen those Pinterest fails where people try to do the beautiful cake, like the beautiful hedgehog, and then they do their version and it's like everything's slipped and it's, that's what my drawing would be like. Not a hedgehog, but some sort of representation of that, probably stick men. Anyway... Moving, so thank you for Tanya for doing this for me. Because this is really what I saw in the picture as I was praying. I saw this picture of some of us, me included, walking around. And at first I thought it was a big wide plain. But then I think it was a desert because everything was a bit beige. There wasn't a lot of life in it. It was all a bit dull. So we're walking around on this plain and we come across a pile of armour and weapons that have been abandoned And we know that they're ours, that they belong to us. And we'd taken them off after a battle and we'd left them there. There's nothing wrong with them. They were just there. And I knew as I saw the picture that that represented how I was feeling. And I knew that it wasn't a good position to be in. And I really felt a challenge from God. So I said to God, okay, why have they been abandoned? I've got three reasons So any idea, because obviously your reasons have got to be the same as mine, but why might we have abandoned the armour or the weapons? Too heavy. Okay, they could be too heavy, yeah. Disappointed. Okay, we could have been become disappointed and given up, Murray. We didn't we didn't feel like we needed them. Okay, Dave? Didn't think they fitted us. Didn't think they fitted us, okay. And our courage has failed us. Yes, Simon. Don't think they work anymore. Okay. Here are my three reasons. They're all good, but I've just... um... Okay, so the first one, we didn't think they were needed. Yep. We'd given up. We were discouraged, defeated, and we didn't know how to use them. So I felt God said to me that I'd taken my armour off I hadn't really been engaging in the battle and he wanted me to change and to see that none of these three reasons are valid reasons for taking off our armour. So I think for me it was a mixture of all three of those really when I thought about it. And maybe some of you will identify with them. Okay, so the first one then, we didn't think they were needed. So... Maybe we're not aware that there is this ongoing spiritual battle. Um, I think for me I was aware, but it's just that everything, my own circumstances and struggles just seem more real and more immediate. So my reality was in what's happening today, what struggle do I have today, now? And that was what I could see, and I couldn't see the bigger picture the thing that's going on in the heavenlies, which is actually really what should be our reality. So we've got some scripture, I've got some scriptures there. So Ephesians 6 tells us that we need that full armour so that we can take our stand against the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. So when we come across a challenge, that's the thing we see, but the real thing is often something else behind it, and we need to be aware of that. And it's against the rulers, the authorities and the powers of this world and against the spiritual forces of evil. I think you know it, and I think I knew it here. The next one, um, the Revelation one, 
the enemy accuses us before our God day and night. He doesn't give up. He's always having a go, always accusing us. Um, he prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then this one from Two Kings. I found this really interesting. Probably a lot of you will remember the story. So it's Elisha and his servant. They've been surrounded by a massive army. looks really big. looks like you can't defeat it. And the servant's really scared. And he talks to Elisha. And Elisha says, um, says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. But all he can see is this enemy army. And then Elisha prays, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I think for me, I have found it so easy to be caught up with the reality of this world and to be underneath my circumstances. I, I wasn't seeing the hills full of the horses and chariots of fire. And that's God's army, and that's what's there And I think we need to ask him to help us to see what's there. The second reason, we'd given up. So we'd got battle-weary, we got discouraged, and we felt defeated. And I think for me, I had got weary, and I was kind of dimly aware of listening to the voice of the accuser and believing lies. But the lies kind of seemed true. I don't know if that makes sense. But um, one of the lies was kind of like, oh, this problem's just too big. I don't know if God can do anything about it. Maybe he doesn't want to do anything about it, so does he really care if he, if he really cared, he'd change things. But all the time I'm thinking, oh, that's not a very good thing to think. That's not a very good thing to think. And almost like trying to convince myself, rather than bringing it before God, I'm having this argument in my head. Another lie was, oh, I'm not doing a very good job of any number of things. Anything that I was doing, oh, I'm just not doing a very good job. And then, probably the most scary lie, maybe God's not really even real. What if it's not? What if all this isn't real? What if he's not real? So um, this next this scripture, the two Corinthians one. I wasn't seeing this. I wasn't seeing that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, I knew it in my head, but I wasn't really living it here. And this, um, the next one's from Psalm 139. So we need to ask God to search us and test us and know our anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way and lead me in the way everlasting. don't need to listen to the enemy. He will tell me all sorts of things, all sorts of offensive ways and anxious thoughts. And, you know, but I don't want to listen to his voice. I only want to ask God to do that. And the, there's one from Colossians. Um, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's the truth. So I don't want to be discouraged into thinking, oh, well, that's all too much, that's too big. 
The truth is that Jesus on the cross disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them. He triumphed over them by the cross. Um, so I think we can listen. I was listening to the enemy's lies. I think we just need to say as well that sometimes we can fall into sin or um, just places in our lives where we're not submitted. And I, I put unforgiveness there because I just felt there may be someone here who knows that unforgiveness is an issue. They've not forgiven and it's stopping them moving on. Um, the antidote, obviously, is to forgive and the antidote is to submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil and he flees. He doesn't just kind of walk away a few paces. He flees. He has to run away as we submit to God. And then the third reason for abandoning the weapons, we didn't know how to use them. We're confused and lacking faith. So for me, I... The thing in Ephesians about putting on the armour, again, I knew that was real. But I kind of didn't know how to really apply it. So again, it's back to that head knowledge and it's not really living in me. So it's really important that we know who we are in Christ. Um, This is what he did. He raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand far above everything. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. That's what he did for Jesus and then for us, the next one, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So Jesus has been lifted up and we've been lifted up with him. That's our position. And then Philippians 4:13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So, we need to know who we are, and that's a little bit of who we are. And we also need to know about the armour and the weapons. What, what are they? What's at our disposal? And how, how can we use them? So, I'm going to come on to that in a minute, but I need to, I'm just going to tell you about the next picture that I had before Neil puts it up for me. So, the first picture was the um, desert. There's the abandoned weapons. The second picture was I was on the horse looking through the horse's ears. So I'm riding this horse. I'm dressed in armour. And I'm riding confidently towards this big black hedge of thorns which stretched as far that way and that way as I could see. And it was much taller And it was made of thorns that were as thick as our fingers. And they were kind of interlocked together. And it looked impenetrable. So it's this massive, massive hedge. And I had a shield in one hand and a sword in the other. And the sword felt really weighty and um, substantial. And it was sharp. And as I rode towards the hedge, I could cut through the thorns easily and it didn't look like I could but as I began to use the sword 
the thorns didn't make much resistance. So here's my lovely picture that I drew, of course. I wish, I just feel it's so unfair. I see things so clearly in my head. I try to put it on paper and it just looks like nothing at all related to it. But anyway, we can be thanking God for people like Tanya who have got this lovely gift. So, yeah, there's the hedge. And there's me, but it could be any one of us and should be all of us. So, I think the next slide, please. Neil? Okay, I got it. (laughs) Okay, Okay, the hedge then. So I felt like God was saying that's an enemy strategy to stop us moving into what God has for us. It looks impenetrable. And the thorns could be things like our thought patterns, attitudes, fears, could be sickness and health issues. I felt like it was all of those things. And I just think, just have a little think, what might your thorns be? Okay, so um, what's changed from picture one? Well, firstly, our lack of awareness of the battle has been replaced with sightedness. The battle is real. We need to advance and we need to be correctly dressed in the right armour. And just a thought really about the armour. The armour that is described in Ephesians 6... It's offensive, it's not just defensive. And um, one of the things that I read about it, it talks about the shield, and it's, it's translated as um, something like a great big wraparound shield, so it goes right round us. It's actually bigger than the one that Tanya drew. But we, um, when, when you have this shield, you don't just hide behind it like you would a wall. You use it as a way of advancing. So you hold it in front of you and you advance with the shield. And I'm sure the historians could tell us all sorts of things about Roman centurions and, yes, all that, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so we are, we're on the offensive. God gives us weapons so that we can um, come against the enemy, not just kind of shrink back and hide from him behind these things. The second thing that has changed is the battle weariness was replaced by an expectation of victory. So we're heading towards the, towards the hedge with our sword, not intimidated by what it looks like, but we're heading towards it expecting that we're going to be able to cut through. And the third thing is about having a confidence in God. We now know who we are. We're fighting effectively with the weapons that God has given us. I just want to spend the last few minutes really talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, um, this is the thing that I've been, I've felt God has been speaking to me more about than anything else really. This is His power 
to cut through the lies and the strategies of the enemy um, as he tries to prevent us moving into new territory. And he's given us the power, he gives us the power to give us confidence and fresh boldness. So there's a scripture from Ephesians 6. Um, this is what it says about the sword. So I've been using a new version of the Bible, the Passion Version, and I really like this translation. And take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God, which I think is a really, really um, very specific way of describing it and very descriptive. And the message says God's word is an indispensable weapon. Um, so the sword is God's word. And as I was looking into this and studying it, I came across this quote. So in Ephesians 6.17, the reference is not to the scriptures as a whole, but to that portion which the believer wields as a sword in the time of need. So it's that now word of God, that rema word of God that he gives us to counter the particular lie or particular strategy of the enemy at that time. So I've been learning to pray differently. Um, And I've been using his word as a weapon to hack through the hedge. So specific things that I felt like God, that that the enemy has been um, speaking to me. I've been finding scriptures that are the opposite of that and using it to counter that. And some of the... Yeah, I wasn't wasn't sure whether to say this because I think it's a bit strange, but... One of the ways that I've been learning to pray, or I have been praying, I've been doing some hacking, physically hacking. I did do it as I was walking through the park, and then I thought, no, let's not do that. <laughs> I looked around to see if there's anybody there. But there were some things that, was, that I felt so um, angry about and thought was so wrong. And I think, well, actually, God knows that if I'm hacking, that's a prayer, just as much as saying, God, please change this situation. So there's been something new that he's given me to do. I'm not saying you all have to do that. If you see me in Goodmates Park looking a bit strange, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) But I've just suddenly realised that his words have power. And I feel like it's really obvious, and I should have known it, and I should. But I just want you to see how we can so almost unnoticeably just slip back from really living in the reality of that. Um, the other thing that I've been realising, another obvious thing, oh, God's word is the truth rather than my feelings. And I think I realise I'm very feelings-led. I've been doing the Freedom in Christ course, which some of you have been doing, and one of the big emphases in that is God's word is true, your feelings are not. They often feel true, but it's his word that is the truth. So I've been able to say, I might feel anxious, but God tells me to give my anxiety to him. And whereas before I would have been, oh yeah, okay, I've got to give my anxiety to him. There's something very much more intentional that I'm feeling, finding that God is enabling me to do, which has really changed me. So, I forgot the other, yeah, okay. So um, these were just, you could put the other one up as well, Neil. These were just a couple of scriptures about the sword and the word of God, which I just thought were quite interesting. So in Isaiah, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. And then in Revelation, 
In his right hand, he has seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. And I'd never seen that Isaiah one before. I thought that was really interesting and very strong and very confidence-building. So, as a result of this journey, I have felt really very different. And I think most notably, not feeling anxious. I can't tell you how big a deal that is, because I think I have lived most of my life feeling quite anxious. And this last 18 months or so has been a particularly difficult time in terms of that. But I think it's been my default. And I think part of it has been, oh, I've got to fix it. Oh, I've got to make it better. Um, And all of that is to do with not seeing the bigger battle. It's just been seeing the circumstances. But the other day I thought, oh, this thing that happened, I would have felt anxious about that. Let's try and imagine how I would have felt. And I couldn't. And I thought that I just... I just am so thankful to God, really, for that. Um, Final slide. So, I've said let faith arise, because for me, this is about um, hearing God's word, which gives us faith. So, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the turning point for me in all of this was in revisiting a prophetic word that I'd been given a year ago. And I'd received it at the time and thought, yes, that's true. It's really nice that God knows how I feel, and then shelved it. And as I was... It was coming to the end of, this, of last year, and I was kind of beginning to think through all of this. I thought, I'll just get that word out again. And I started to read it, and I suddenly saw, my goodness, this is more relevant to me now than it was a year ago when that person brought it to me. So I began to start praying into it and declaring it, and I began using it as a sword. And I think that if God's word comes to us through a person, it's a sword. So if I give Neil a word from God, I'm handing him a sword, and he can use that to do battle. And then there was other words that people brought. Someone said to me, um, it's during the week of prayer, God says you will see clearly again. And it was like one of those words that went in and I could have shelved it, but I thought, no, okay, God, you said I'll see clearly again. And I kept bringing it before him and using it as a sword. And then, as I said about the Freedom in Christ course, truths in that, which... I just took on board and began to declare. And there's some people who've done that course who've got really amazing testimonies that as things have changed, as they've begun to declare the truth of what God says and not give in to listening to what their feelings say. And so as I started to do those things, I found that faith was growing. And as faith was growing, lives were being destroyed. And I've just felt really different and that's why I just wanted to finish with that let faith arise but I think if I had to sum up how how do I feel I feel like I've woken up that's what it's been like so I just wanted to share that with you today
we were just wondering if you might have any questions for Sally. Not hard ones. Not hard ones. Just me once asked questions. So, um, just very interesting that default of anxiety and that changing. Is there any other breakdown of steps? What what kind of? Because I know for some of us it'll be anxiety, and others it'll be other mindsets. So I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I've got some mindsets, and I'm just wondering what the, if there were steps that you can describe. That's well, maybe a you hard can't describe. question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it really happened in steps for me it was I th- well I think probably it was realising I don't really want that anymore, this has become debilitating mm. this isn't good um, mm. I, and it was probably to do with the particular things that were worrying me and I went back and found that word and then thought well that seems to be saying something different from what I'm feeling so am I going to accept actually my anxiety is the truth or am I saying that God's word is the truth? And so it was then as I began to explore that really that something began to change and began to click. And I think, yeah, I think that was it really, beginning to just... I think you have to come to the point where you think, oh, I don't want this anymore. This is, mm. this is ridiculous. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. That's right. Excellent. Yeah. Just repeat the question. So even yeah, though sorry. you were feeling a bit betwixt and between, a bit like you were in mm. the house of faith but the house of doubt mm. or whatever, at the same time, God was still using you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, like I said, I think lots of people would have thought nothing was really changing and nothing was really, nothing was really wrong, I suppose. But I knew I wasn't moving on. I, it was a bit like keeping, doing my best to just stay in the same place, um, holding on a bit tight and not advancing. So I think the picture about the, the advancing beyond the hedge is really important because I don't think God wants us just to hold our territory. He wants us to advance beyond. So I think I was holding my territory just about and then, and then I'd get knocked and feel like I wasn't. But, yeah, still doing the stuff I do at the hub. I still, you know, yeah. But one thing, actually, we weren't having people round to our house like we were because it was just felt too much. I just felt too tired and too fed up and too... Oh, it's just too much of an effort. Yeah. So if you haven't been invited recently... <laughs> <laughs> David. A lot of switches there. A lot of bits of the Bible there. <clears throat> Which one do you think encapsulates it? Or if you're going to summarise everything in one bit of the Bible that you've spoken about, which bit would it be? Uh, it's the Ephesians 6 bit about the armour really because I think that was that's where I've really started looking Um, and I feel like there's so much in there so I could have I feel like I could have done a whole talk about all the different bits of armour and how you use them and what they mean because I've never really understood it so I think suddenly understanding God has given us all of these weapons 
And it's not like I've got to fight. It's he, they're his weapons. He fights, mm-hmm. but he equips us to fight with him. Um, hopefully this question is helpful not too um, out in the ether. Um, so could you describe the difference between what goes on in your head before and after this stuff had happened? So I'm, I'm guessing those thoughts still occur to you. Yeah. But what, what's the difference in terms of how you deal with them in your head? How do you take thoughts captive, so to speak? So it would before. It was, oh, my goodness, this is awful. I don't know what to do. I've got to try and find a way of fixing it. Oh, I can't. Oh, it's awful. I don't know what to do. I've got to try and find a way of fixing it. Oh, God, maybe you help. Oh, no, you're not. I don't. So it was that almost like round and round panic, panic mode. But I shouldn't feel like this because I know God. So anyway, okay. I feel really anxious. So that was what it was like. And now, I mean, it's not like things don't matter or I don't feel concerned, but it's just now, okay, God, I think what Dawn shared when John, um, John had his um, leg in plaster and in that awful accident, it was, it's no surprise to you, God. You know, okay, help me to trust you. So just a different, it's not a triumphalistic, now I'm not worried about anything, I never feel anxious. It's not like that. It's just, uh, yeah, God, I do believe you care. I do believe you know me. I do believe you know the situation. It's not a surprise to you. I do believe I can trust you. How are you going to make sure you stay in picture two and don't go back to picture one ever again? That's a really good question. Um... Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think faithful friends are really, really important. And I think, yeah, if you do notice, I think for all of us, if we notice one another being caught up and trapped, it is good to remind one another. We have to empathise. It's no good saying, oh, get your battle armour on, don't be so ridiculous. I mean, that's not going to help. But reminding each other of who we are in him. And so I think for me it will be, it's a, I have to keep reminding myself of who I am, who he is first and who I am in him. Yeah. That's so important, that thing of meeting together. You know, don't neglect meeting together. That's yeah. when we sharpen one another and that's what, that's what this is about. Rob. Hi, Sally. Could you tell me who made sketches and photos? The most... Can you tell me who made the photo sketches and photos? Tanya. That was Tanya. Tanya Ferruccia did those. They're really good, aren't they? It was a hand. Sorry. Should we make this the last one? Um, As emotional beings, and that's how God made us, Mm. how do you decipher the difference? I think he wants to use our emotions, but I think... I think we need to be asking him to help us to, to use them for... Well, I suppose having empathy comes from an emotional response often and a spiritual response as well. I think if we're responding emotionally to something, it can sometimes be a warning sign that something does need... that there is an issue. And again, with the Freedom in Christ course, that's one of the things that they talk about. So you don't ignore your emotions... But ask God, okay, so I'm feeling angry about this or I'm feeling upset about this. What is it you're saying? So we're coming back to him. 
And I don't think we should become emotionless, emotionless, just fighting machines. I don't think that's what God's calling us to be at all. But I think it's just asking him, okay, God, why do I feel anxious? What is it that you're trying to say to me here? So we use it as a, as a warning, as a symptom, rather than as the, I don't know how to describe it, as a thing. Does that make sense? Thanks, Sally.